Floorboards to shingles. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Happy almost spring, everybody. Seriously. I am so done with winter. <laughs> Me too. I'm ready for all of the snow to continue to melt away from all of our yards and get back to work. You know, I think we're going to have a very, very green spring because we've had a very, very wet winter. And that means it's a great time to do lots of outdoor projects around the house, one of which might be adding some new siding. If that's on your to-do list, we're going to help you get it done with some tips on the pros and cons of all the siding choices that are out there, including vinyl, brick, and clabbered. We're going to have that information for you in just a bit. That's right. Plus, we are going to share some tips on the latest innovations on one of our favorite flooring choices, laminate. Now, it's the most cost-effective option out there because of its durability and its affordability, and it can look like anything from wood to stone, and we're going to tell you all about it a little later. And spring is not that far off according to the calendar, at least according to my calendar. (laughs) And if one of your spring projects is painting the outside of your house, do a little research first before deciding to use a low-cost paint, because doing so can cost you more in the long run. We'll do the math for you in just a bit. And since we're doing the math for you anyway, how does free sound? We have got up for grabs to one lucky caller on the air today, a $350 Leggett and Platt gift card, and they are a great resource for high-quality beds and bedding. That's going to go to one caller who reaches us with their home improvement question. The number is one eight 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 Money Pit 888-666-3974. Who's first? Chris in Alaska, you've got the money pit. How can we help you today? Uh, I'm moving a drop ceiling from my kitchen, and I've ran into a, a vent pipe from my four-star heating, and I want to move it into the joist. And I'm wondering if I can cut a hole in my joist to run it, my floor joist from the second floor. All right, so you have to cut through a floor joist to be able to run this vent? So if you're going to cut well, out right. a floor joist, you have to reinforce it. Uh, okay. The floor joist is supporting the second story, and sure. whenever you cut a hole in a floor joist, you basically are eliminating one floor joist because you're essentially cutting it in half. What you're supposed to do is double the floor the, the floor joists that are opposite that, and then bridge across between them. So if you cut out, say, a one-foot chunk to run this pipe, you would have to double the two floor joists that are opposite sides of that. And then you run another, say, 2 by 10 in between those perpendicular across the cut opening. So you're essentially framing out an opening as if it was a, you know, a stairwell or something. So it's a big project is what I'm saying. I have a, a, a 6-inch uh, vent pipe going through a 2 by 10, and uh, I've got to go through three 2 by 10s. So I oh, suppose I wow. would just bring up. Big, yeah, a 6-inch vent pipe. That's a, you're taking a lot of strength out of the floor. Isn't there other way, any other way we can do this? Uh, unfortunately, no. The vent pipe runs along the joist for quite a distance, and then it goes down into where the drop ceiling was, travels across the street joist, and then back up in between the joist and then up to a bedroom that's on the second floor. This vent pipe is for what? It's a forced air heating, forced air heating duct. And, and where is the ceiling? Is the ceiling uh, in a, over a kitchen? It is. Is there a soffit above the cabinet that you can run this duct through? No, I'm actually trying. There was a drop ceiling, and I'm removing all that to try to increase, you know. Typically, you don't go through the floor joists like that. You go under them, and you box it out. Okay, okay. I would not cut six inches out of three 
two by ten floor joist. That's too much to take out of the floor joist. What about using metal plates to sister it? No, not enough strength. And there's no way to bring this duct up onto the floor surface and just sort of build like a small surround that would be like a little ledge or... No, you would run it underneath the floor joist and you would box it in. Is it possible right, that right. you could um, add a, a second heating system to this room, like a through-the-wall system? I could do that. I could block off the pipe and add its own heating system to the room. It just right. seems extraneous. Well, I you guess. could use a through-the-wall... You could use like a, a split system uh, heat pump, for example and get cooling and air conditioning through one mini-split mini uh, ductless system. So you have a small compressor outside, and you have the air handler attached to the wall, and that becomes both a unit that will supply heating and cooling. Take a look at the units by Mitsubishi. They're set up for okay. situations like this. Because the way you're describing this run of the duct, I'm also concerned that you're not going to have enough airflow. To get the heat there to when properly you need heat it. it. The split system, of course, is going to be electric then, right, Tom? Yes, it'll be electric. It's 240 volts. You know, so there's a cost issue to worry about with that. But w we have a split system in our home in the basement, and it's a truly fantastic way to, you know, heat and cool a space that's just difficult to get heating and cooling to. But heating costs, especially in Alaska, I imagine, with electric are going to be pretty expensive. Yeah, we generally don't need to cool. <laughs> true. Well, that's true. But... The tip of the heat pump is set it and forget it. You know, you don't right. want to bounce the heat up and down because then you force it into the electric heating mode. If you just set the thermostat and walk away, then the heat pump does the does the work. And it really does a fantastic job. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I'm afraid with the with the run that you just described for that duct, you're just not going to have enough airflow left to do the job by the time you're all finished. Well, I mean, it currently runs to that bedroom now, so it runs yeah. that distance now. But listen, every um, time yeah. you put every time you put a twist in a duct, that's equal to adding 20 feet of straight run. One corner, one elbow, is equal to 20 additional feet in terms of the resistance. Well, then I guess um, the way it runs right now, it runs along the joist, and then it makes a 90 down, and then a 90 to the right. Wow. And it goes, it crosses three joists, and then it makes two 90s to go back. And I'm actually, wow. I'm, I'm, I'm going to get rid of two 90s if I go through the joist. Now, right. the, the one thought I had was, is there any way, what about reducing the pipe diameter to make a normal penetration in the joist, a normal size penetration in the joist? What do you mean reducing the pipe diameter? Using a smaller duct? Yeah, right now the duct is a six-inch duct and reducing no. it to a two-inch, running it no, through again, the again, you know, you, 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 you face the chance that you're not going to have enough HVAC power to heat that house. Okay. You will not be delivering enough warm air to overcome the drop in temperatures in Alaska to heat that room. you know. Okay. And, and what if you got this all done and everything put back together and the first few cold nights, you're miserable? Right. The first of many cold nights. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so well, I hope that helps put it in perspective for you, but I think a split system is probably a good option. All right. Thanks a lot. You're welcome. Thanks so much for calling us at 888-MONEYPIT. He's like, that is not what I wanted to hear. <laughs> but yeah, you would just sacrifice the structural, you know, capabilities of yeah. those joists. And over a run like that, no way. You are tuned to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at moneypit.com. Now, you can be part of the home improvement action by calling in your home repair, decor, improvement, help it's broken, and I don't know what to do question. 24 <laughs> hours a day, seven days a week. We're here to lend a hand at 1-888-MONEYPIT.
888-666-3974. Up next, would you like a new skin for your house? Siding can do just that and help you dress up the house and increase your curb appeal. But there are many options out there, and not all of them are created equal. We're going to give you the pros and cons of a wide variety of those choices next. The Money Pit is brought to you by Skill. Want hardwood floors but are on a budget? The affordable and feature-filled Skill Flooring Saw is just what you need for your installation project. Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Pick up the phone. Give us a call. The number is one money pit We've got for you this hour an opportunity to win a $350 gift certificate from Leggett and Platt, makers of fine beds and bedding. It's going to go to one caller chosen at random from those that reach us at 888-MONEY-PIT. And the winner might choose the Invisicase Surround Protector. The Invisicase will keep your mattress clean and protected, and it's available in all standard mattress sizes. For more info, visit lpcpg.com or call now for your chance to win that $350 Leggett and Platt merchandise gift certificate. The number is one eight 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 money pit All right, pick up the phone and give us a call. We would love to hear what you're working on. And maybe one of those projects that you're planning for the spring is an exterior facelift for your home. Well, if you're thinking about new siding options, there are a ton of options out there, and a lot of them have their own pros and cons. So here's just a few, because really there's a ton out there. Now, wood siding, it can be either shingles or clobbered, and it's a renewable resource that can be painted or stained any color, but with wood siding comes frequent maintenance. Now, brick and stone, it's gorgeous, it can last forever, and pretty much requires very little maintenance, but it can be expensive. And then, of course, excessive moisture can freeze and loosen mortar joints, which might need the occasional repointing. Now, stucco's out there as well, and that can last a really long time, and it does need occasional cleaning, which you have to make sure you do very, very carefully, because if you don't, you can pretty much damage that siding. And any cracks that might occur in your stucco will have to be filled regularly so that you're not getting moisture buildup behind that stucco surface. Now, vinyl siding is less expensive, and it comes in a wide range of colors. It's basically maintenance-free as well, but it is susceptible to heat and fungus. And it can also appear wavy if it's installed too tightly because it expands and contracts quite a bit, so the installers have to actually kind of nail it up almost loosely. Another option is cultured stone veneer. That comes in a variety of styles and colors that mimic the look of real stones, but without the cost. These, though, need to be installed by a pro. Now, the more you know about siding materials, the better able you will be able to make the right choice for your home. So, for a complete list of all available siding material with the pros and cons for each, just Google Money Pit Choose Siding. That's Money Pit Choose Siding, and our friends at Google will direct you right the appropriate page on moneypit.com. Sue in Illinois is dealing with two properties that don't mix, electricity and water. How is there water <laughs> dripping from your ceiling fan, Sue? Okay, we don't know why, but we had it professionally installed by an electrician. He had to go up in the attic, you know, and cut, we cut the hole and he put it in. Right. And every time the temperature gets below 20 degrees, water... When we turn the fan on, water 
condenses and comes out of there. Oh, you have a bigger you have a bigger problem than your ceiling fan leaking. <laughs> when you say ceiling fan, do you mean an actual ceiling fan with blades or a venting fan? No, just a you know, um, it's a venting fan. You know, for the like bathroom. A, it has oh, okay. a bathroom. braid on it and it yeah. came in the housing. And, okay, here's here's the uh, one thing that the electrician probably didn't do. He probably uh-huh. did not vent that fan to the outside. Outside, we had another fan. Our bathroom's separate, like the the toilet and the stool are in like beyond the sink in right. its own little area. And there's a fan up there and a light. And he said he connected it to that pipe. The water is coming from condensation. When yes. you have you have a very cold attic, you're you're letting warm moist air from the house somehow up into that space it is condensing and then dripping and your problem is much bigger than just water dripping out of that fan because if you are condensing that much moisture in the attic you potentially have sheathing damage because the underside of the plywood sheathing will it will get wet and Uh that can delaminate when was your house built Oh, it's just five years old. Well, six years old. So you have uh, probably have plywood roof, roof sheathing then, and you need to make sure that you have proper ventilation up there because you're getting okay. a lot of condensation, and that's why it only happens when it gets to be 20 degrees outside. Okay. So here's what you have to do. First of all, you need to check the installation on the fan. I suspect that it's not connected to a vent okay. properly, okay? So that means okay. that all the warm, moist air from the bathroom, you know, whenever you take a shower or whatever, it gets up there and it condenses in the cold water and just pours right back down again. Yeah. Secondly, you need to check your ventilation in the attic space. The best ventilation is going to be continuous ridge and soffit vents, where the ridge vent is cut wide open, the soffit vents are cut open, air goes in the soffits, under the roof sheathing, and out the ridge. Okay. And those two things will reduce the volume of moisture in that attic, protect the sheathing. And also, by the way, if you have that much moisture in the attic, your insulation gets very, very damp. And doesn't work. And doesn't work. Insulation only insulates when it's dry. Okay. Okay. But we should call that electrician back and have him sent that for well, sure. Yeah, I mean, at the least, or just get up there and check it yourself. Well, we're kind of old to be doing that, so okay. we'd have to have someone. Well, but the thing is, if the electrician made a mistake, he's not going to admit it. You might be better off getting somebody that's handy just to check this. Just to double okay. check. Okay. okay. Yeah, thank you so much. All right, there you go. Mystery solved. All right, thank you very much. You're welcome, Sue. Thanks so much for calling us at 888-MONEYPIT. Ron in Oregon has a tiling and grout question. Tell us what you're working on. Hi. I, we have a real problem. Apparently, the previous owner of this house decided that uh, it would be much easier to uh, take varathane and paint it over over a 1,000 mosaic-designed 8-inch ceramic tiles. <laughs> okay. My wife, bless her heart, got down her hands and knees with several putty knives and whatnot and got uh, all the varathane off. Right now, the big problem is is the the grout is stained, and uh, can't get 
It looks like nice grout again. Well, what you need to do is to get some grout dye, and you're not going to find that at a paint store. You probably order it online or go to a tile store, and there's a half a dozen colors or so that are available. But with a grout dye, especially a darker one, if the grout is stained, it'll sort of even it out, and then it'll solve the problem. Mm-hmm. And the other option, of course, is a grout stripper, which will just take off those top coats and get you back down to a clean surface, and then you can seal it. And if that doesn't work, you can still grout dye it after that. Yeah. Thank you. Jim in Michigan, you've got the money, but how can we help you today? Yeah, I have a um, about a 15-year-old forced air furnace. Um, increased the capacity and added air conditioner when we expanded our house here 15 years ago. And the uh, it has a thing called a combustion blower, which sort of uh, turns on first before the mantle comes on. Right. And it blows air up the chimney. Uh, I think it has something to do with the fact yeah, that it's a, a draft induction blower. It has to do with the efficiency of the furnace. With higher efficiency furnaces, the heat exchanger is long, narrow, and tubular. And you can't re- rely on the gravity of the warm gases to find their way out of, up and out the chimney. So you have to have an induced draft. So that's what this fan does. Well, the fan was making noise. Okay. Uh, sort of like a whoa, 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 whoa. When okay, the, now the uh, balance kind of a sound? I, yeah, I guess so. And, okay. Uh, and when I put my hand on the the blower, uh, I could sense that, that the noise was slowing down. And I uh, I called the guy who installed the furnace. Okay. And his the first words out of his mouth is, well, Jim, this is 15 years old. Uh, units like yours don't normally last much longer than 15 years. Sounds like he's trying and, to sell you a new one, huh? Well, he was leaning in that direction, mm-hmm. okay? And uh, the part itself was about $100, and I was right. capable, capable of doing it myself. In fact, I taken the blower off and looked at it to see if there was any bearings I could oh, okay. lubricate, and they're not. They're all sealed. Right. Okay. You know, and, and then I was reading through the, the, the warranty information, and the, the Plenum part is apparently warranted for twenty years. Okay. So I'm I'm, I'm leaning towards buying the, the hundred dollar part and putting it on, uh, as opposed to you know going out and putting out the long dollars for a new unit. Well, I don't think fifteen years is that old for a furnace. I mean, furnaces typically you know last like 20, 20 to thirty years, right? Years easy. So I don't think fifteen is that old. And if you can replace the part for a hundred bucks, I don't see why you wouldn't just do that. Thank you very much. You're welcome, Jim. Thanks so much for calling us at 888-MONEY-PIT. You are tuned to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at moneypit.com. Up next, everything you ever wanted to know about laminate flooring, but we're afraid to ask. Oh, wait, you did ask us. That's why we're telling you. <laughs> well, this versatile flooring choice is a winner. It's inexpensive, low maintenance, and durable. We're going to tell you all about it after this. 888-MONEY-PIT. Good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Well, the number one topic of conversation that we have here at the Money Pit is flooring. And well, when it comes to flooring options, there is no more cost-effective choice than laminate flooring. It's inexpensive. It's super easy to install that you can definitely do that project by yourself. And it lasts a really, really long time. And the cool thing about laminate, and I have to say that I was what is known as an early adopter when it comes to laminate. I, I I 
put laminate down in my house, I think when it was like hot off the presses, just many, many years ago, it was over 10 years ago. And it was harder to put down back then, by the way, because you had to glue all the pieces together. But today, it's become so super easy to do, totally a DIY project, and it can look like just about any kind of material you can think of. It can look like wood, it can look like tile, even stone. And here to tell us about those options and lots more is our friend Nate Poe, who is an expert with Lumber Liquidators. Hey, Nate. Hey, guys. How's it going? It's going well. And, uh, you know, you guys are a big supplier of this material, and it's amazing the changes that we've seen with it over the years, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and Tom, you mentioned a great point, and that's the, the progression and the change of a laminate floor um, over time. You know, when it was first introduced, gosh, you know, decades ago, um, it was, you know, kind of cumbersome to install. You had to glue all the seams, and, um, you know, the, the appearance of them really doesn't hold a candle to what we're able to come up with today. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, I remember getting this floor done in my house and finally saying, great floor. can't imagine anybody wants to put this in because <laughs> it was so hard. You had to glue each piece together with were straps. It looked like a checkerboard when you were done. Now, though, it's like a puzzle piece. It's amazing the technology, the way these pieces just snap together and leave you with perfectly aligned joints is really amazing. It is. Um, you know, and just to back up just a little bit, you know, just so we have some, some definitions of what a laminate floor is. A laminate floor is um, a, a basically a photocopy of wood on a compressed fiber base. Mm-hmm. Um, that difference differs a little bit than, uh, you know, say an engineered floor. A lot of people use those terms interchangeably. But an engineered floor would be a layer of real wood on a plywood or a compressed fiber base. Where, again, a laminate floor is just a photocopy of wood on a compressed fiber base with a... Um, aluminum oxide finish. And that's what gives it that durability that a lot of people have come to know and love. Mm -hmm. Now with laminate, being that it is so durable and the way it's made, where is really the best application to apply this floor? You know, that, that's the wonderful thing about a laminate floor is it can be used in almost any room of the home. Now, Nate, if we want to put laminate floor down in an existing home, what uh, is the prep that's actually involved? And if your floor is a little bit uneven, is that okay? You know, a little bit uneven is okay. Uh, most manufacturer specs, and our, our specs here at Lumber Liquidators, is an eighth of an inch over 10 feet. So the real prep is going to be removing your existing floor covering. Mm-hmm. Then you'd apply typically a, a moisture barrier. Uh, what we would recommend would be a 6 mil poly sheeting. Okay. And then you're going to put down a foam padding and then the laminate floor on top of that. And a lot of our laminates actually come with the uh, foam padding pre-attached, saving a whole step of installation. Mm-hmm. Now, as a do-it-yourselfer, is there any specialized tools that I would need to actually install the flooring, or am I pretty much going to have everything on hand to get the job done? A good table saw or a chop saw is going to be, um, you know, probably the, the most... The most heavy-duty item you'll a, need. The most heavy-duty tool that you're going to need. Um, and we actually sell, at Lumber Liquidators, we sell a nice kit that includes everything that you'll need. Um, but you'd also want a tapping block and a pulling bar, um, because when you're pushing these boards together, you're going to want to apply some pressure to make sure that they click in uh, completely. Mm-hmm. You never want to hit the edge of that laminate with a hammer or um, you know, with a, even with a mallet. So what you do is you put a tapping block. You can even use a piece of a 2x4 for this, and that applies the pressure as you, you gently tap the pieces together. And then when you get to the end of your row, uh, you know, where the last piece is going in, 
I'm going to use what's called a pulling bar, and that allows you to, again, apply that pressure um, backwards against the floor to snap the last piece in place. We're talking to Nate Poe. He is an expert with the lumber liquidators folks. And, Nate, as you mentioned before, as you so correctly explained, if you can photograph it, you can have it made uh, into a laminate floor. What are some of the most popular uh, colors uh, and styles of laminate flooring today? Here at Lumber Liquidators, we really focus on um, wood-look laminates, and um, we found, you know, the trends do change over time. Um, lately, we find a lot more people demanding um, tones in the white to gray range, but it does vary by region. Now, what about the warranty? I mean, they're made so well, and they're really made to be durable in locations that tend to be problematic for flooring. What is generally the warranty that's offered with laminate? Laminates are sold in different thicknesses, and they're always measured in a different millimeter thickness. And what that measures is the actual thickness of the board. So it's not like a thickness of the veneer or anything. So um, typically you'll see laminate ranges anywhere from 6 millimeter up to 12 millimeter products. Um, and usually as you get thicker, the warranty will increase. So, you know, at our entry-level product is going to be a 6-millimeter product with a 10-year finish warranty. As we move up to, you know, our thicker products, like the 12-millimeter, you're going to find more like a 30-year finish warranty. Mm -hmm. Now, the finish warranty relates to the AC rating on a laminate, and that's one thing that I really, you know, if I can talk to all all the homeowners and do-it-yourselfers out there listening to the show, um, let's make sure you do your homework when you're buying a laminate floor, because AC is an abrasion criteria rating. And it's a rating used to measure how durable a floor is. You want to go for most homes, you know, with kids and dogs. Everybody has a busy life these days. You want to look at a product that has at least an AC3. Um, An AC rating is a five-point scale, uh, AC1 being uh, very light residential, so not not too durable, up to an AC5, which would be rated for heavy uh, commercial traffic. Again, for most homeowners, the AC3 is going to be adequate, and you'll find an AC3 on all of our products from 8 millimeter and above. Terrific. Nate Poe, the expert, the man with the answers from Lumber Liquidators. <laughs> Thanks so much for stopping by the Money Pit. Nate, I think that is the most thorough explanation of the topic of laminate floors <laughs> we have ever had, and we can't thank you enough. Well, thank you guys so much for having me. I hope this uh, helps, and I hope everybody gets out there and uh, you know changes that old carpet out to a laminate floor or you know hardwood here from Lumber Liquidators. And if you want more tips on how to do just that, you can go to the Lumber Liquidators website at lumberliquidators.com or pick up the phone and call them at 1-800-HARDWOOD. That's 800-HARDWOOD. All right, and still ahead, don't cheap out on paint for the exterior of your home. We're going to tell you why cheap paint ends up costing you way more money in the long run next. You live in a body pit. The Money Pit is brought to you by TreeWax. Trusted for more than 75 years, TreeWax is the brand you can depend on for premium floor care. Visit them on the web at TreeWax.com. Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. And we'd love to hear from you. So pick up the phone and give us a call at 888-MONEY-PIT. Not only are you going to get your home improvement question answered, you are going to be entered into a drawing to win a great prize. We've got up for grabs this hour a $350 gift certificate from our friends over at Leggett & Platt. And they make really fantastic beds and bedding. Now, the winner could choose the Invisicase Surround Protector. It's 
got a breathable backing. This is basically a protector for your mattress, and it's right. got a breathable backing on your sleepable surface, and it's a high-performance fiber that's really going to repel moisture. And the Invisicase Surround Protector fits mattresses up to 12 inches thick, and it's available in all standard mattress sizes. If you want some more information on that great product, check out lpcpg.com. That's their website. Or give us a call right now for your answer and your chance to win that great $350 worth of merchandise from Leggett and Platt. The number here is 888-MONEYPIT. 888-666-3974. Well, are you thinking about having the exterior of your house painted, but you're looking for ways to save money on the project? Whatever you do, don't buy bargain basement paint. Big mistake. Cheap paint is never a bargain. When figuring the true cost of a big paint job, you need to measure that cost on an annual basis and include the cost of the paint and the labor. So, for example, if you spend, let's just say you got a small house, you spend 7500 bucks to paint your house. It's so expensive to paint the outside of your it's house. It's very expensive. And $500 of that goes to premium paint. Your total cost is eight grand, but that paint might last 10 years, so cost per year about 800 bucks. Now, if you spend the same amount on labor, but you only pay about $300 for your paint, your total cost, sure, it's going to be lower at about 7800 bucks. but you're going to have to repaint that house so much sooner, like maybe in five years or less. So your cost per year is going to be about $1,560, which is almost double. So it really makes so much more sense to spend a little bit of money extra in the beginning, get that really good paint, and then you're not going to be shelling out a ton of bucks, you know, shorter than you would in the long run. But there is good news. We'll save you money on the phone call for the answer <laughs> to your next home improvement question, 888-MONEY-PIT. Let's get back to those phones. Who's next? Diane is on the line with the fireplace question. What can we do for you? Oh, I listened to you on Sunday and I enjoyed your show so much. Well, thank you very and much. I got so many tips from you guys. But this is my question. Uh, I have my house is seventy years old, and I have a vent in the bottom of the fireplace that you can open and shut. Right, that's the clean out, right? Yes. Okay. Well, it, it it keeps the air from going up the chimney, and so it has a little flu. metal thing. It's very old, and I haven't ever seen another one. But I can close it so the air doesn't escape out of the chimney. Yeah, are you talking about the bottom of the chimney, or you, yes, where it's like a door that opens? Yeah, it's the flu damper. No, I don't think it's the flu damper. I think it's a clean out for the bottom of the of the chimney. Yes. Well, because it's stuck, and I can't open it or shut it. Okay, so then, it's stuck. And my, right. my roofer was on the roof, and he said the the heat was just coming out like crazy. Well, and if I could just shut it. Well, now wait a minute. The heat is probably coming up the fireplace and out like crazy. Yes, it is. That's All the right. flu. Now, see, I think you guys are talking about two separate doors. Let me explain. Okay. The flu is yes. what's above you if you look into the fireplace. Yes. Is that the door we're talking about? Yes. I'm sorry. <laughs> see, yes, okay. I speak female, Tom. Well, apparently you do. I thought yeah. it was the, the ash clean-out, which is on the back side of the chimney. Oh, right, no, no. Fine. I know what the ash clean out. No, it is not that. <laughs> oh, all right. Well, okay. Well, you girl straightened me out. So okay. the flu won't shut. It's stuck. You say yes. you can't open it. You can't close it? No, and it's uh, it's metal, uh -huh. and uh, it, it, the water has gotten down. It must be open somewhat, though, because heat's getting out. Getting there. out, so it's got to yeah. be like yeah. jammed open. And it's rusted. Right. I, I know right, well, it's look, rusted. Have, have you ever had a fire going in this fireplace? 
Oh, yes. It's open all the time. And uh, I put a board on top of my chimney so that the heat wouldn't escape. But I live by myself, and I can't be climbing up there. Yeah, there's a better way. No, we don't want you climbing up in the chimney, okay? Okay. There's something called a flue damper. Yes. And it's a it's a door that fits across the top of the chimney, and it's like a flapper. It's like hinged in the middle. Yeah, it's, it's like a flapper. And mm-hmm. it's weighted so that when when the chimney is, is being used, this door's its natural position is to hang open so it's vertical it, in the chimney so, yes. the, so the flue gas goes around it, okay? Yeah. But when you want to close it, you pull uh-huh. a wire, which is like a stainless steel cable that goes all the way down through the inside of the chimney and hooks sort of on the side of the fireplace. Uh-huh. And you pull it down, and it's got sort of like a spring on it, and then you hook it into its second position, and then it's closed. So that's the, because you can't rebuild the flue damper, a flue that's right above the firebox. You uh-huh. can put a new flue damper on the top of the, the chimney, and that's the solution. So you want to have a flue damper installed, and that will stop the heat from leaking out. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. Up next, is your laundry area outdated and potentially dangerous? We're going to tell you how to make sure your systems are all up to par and in good, safe working order after this. Pick up the telephone, fix up your home sweet home by calling 888-MONEY-PIT. The Money Pit is brought to you by Stanley Tools, your trusted name in quality hand tools. To learn more about their complete line of quality tools and everything for your toolbox, visit stanleytools.com. Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Give us a call right now at 1-888-MONEYPIT or log on to moneypit.com. Join the community section, why don't you? And you can ask your home improvement question right there. All right, we've got one here that Bridget from Florida posted, and she wrote, what kind of material can you use behind and under a wood stove? Is there an online supplier of such products for these wood stoves? I mean, you got to be really careful, right? Yeah, I'm sure there are many online suppliers, but what you need to follow here, Bridget, is the National Fire Prevention Association guidelines for installation, because if you do not have like a, a, a heat shield behind the wood stove, I think you need about three feet of space between the wood stove and a combustible surface. If you have a heat shield, you can use less, but it's kind of something you build, not like an appliance you buy. And like a heat shield, for example, stands off from the combustible wall and it has space below it and space above it and space behind it so that air can like circulate behind it mm-hmm. and essentially cool it through the force of convection. But you need to follow the guidelines from the stove manufacturer or the NFPA to make sure you do it right. If you don't do it right, it can be very, very dangerous. Wood stoves get incredibly hot. Yeah, so they be do. Oh, so careful with the installation. I mean, that's their job. So make sure that you do everything you can to protect your home and make sure that you do follow these rules. Thanks so much for posting your question, Bridget. Well, happy laundry rooms always start with good bones. That means the basic functional systems that work the way they should and prevent disaster. Give those bones a checkup to make sure your systems are all good to go. Leslie's got the checklist in today's edition of Leslie's Last Word. 
That's right. When it comes to your laundry room, you want to make sure that you start with the basics, your water supply hoses. Now, typical rubber-based water supply lines have a tendency to swell, and then what happens? They burst. So we recommend replacing those hoses with braided steel ones, and you also want to make sure that you install an automatic shutoff valve. I mean, even if you don't go automatic, make sure you have a shutoff valve. This way, when you're not using the washing machine, you turn off that water supply. Then in the event something does happen, you're not going to end up with a ton of water. But these automatic shutoff valves, they'll detect an out-of-the-ordinary water flow before it turns into an all-out flood. And while you're at it, get familiar with the location of all of your water valves in your home. You'll want to know where they are in the event of a problem. Then you want to make sure that once you know where they are, that they're all accessible and they're functional. And if you've got separate water valves for hot and cold water, take the opportunity to upgrade to that single lever turnoff valve, which is going to turn off both that hot and cold water supply at the same exact time. Finally, when it comes to your dryer, make sure you clean out your dryer vent. I'm not talking about the lint catcher within the dryer. I'm talking about the whole vent that goes from the back of the dryer to the outside of your house once every six months because lint that collects in that dryer exhaust duct is responsible for multiple deaths and nearly 15,000 dryer fires annually. It's not a difficult chore. Tom and I both have that Gardas Lint Eater, I think is the name of it. Yeah, the, the, the dryer uh, duct brush works yeah, very well. Yeah, exactly. It attaches to, you know, your normal power driver. You go from the outside of your house. You sort of you snake it through your dryer vent, and it pulls out, I mean, more lint than you've ever seen in your life. And if you do it regularly, you'll see less and less. But if you have like a year or two since the last time you've done it, you will see so much lint. I mean, it's amazing. I always know when I see tumble lint in my driveway, it's time to do it, which means I'm not <laughs> doing it as often as I should. But it's a fun chore. And really, you and your neighbors can invest in one and share the chore. And they're not expensive. Just make sure you do this maintenance because the laundry room, if you're like us, you use it practically every day. So take good care of it. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. Coming up next week on the program, projects like painting your walls, your cabinets, or even your floor are all do-it-yourself jobs. But refinishing a clawfoot tub, well, that's one paint job you don't want to do yourself. There are special steps and special tools required. We're going to go through those in the next edition of the Money Pit. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Remember, you can do it yourself. But you don't have to do it alone.